you're listening to Behind the Experience with Sense Group, where your host, Mark Benedict, speaks to forward-thinking leaders, marketers, and innovators about the current state and future of brand experiences. Thanks for tuning in to Behind the Experience. Today, we're joined by Ari Popper, founder and CEO of Sci Futures. Thanks for joining us, Ari. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Excellent. I appreciate you dialing in all the way from LA. So it should be a fun little chat and really interested to hear about um, some of the work you guys are doing. Um, It's a pretty interesting field that you work in, um, Sci Futures. Can you give us a bit of a, just a quick 101 on on what you guys do? Sure. Yeah, we mostly help um, big brands and companies um, understand where the world's going a little further out in the kind of five to 10 year time zone. Right. Um, we have over 300 science fiction writers um, around the world that we use to solicit ideas and their visions after we brief them. And then we use that content to help our clients identify opportunity areas um, for more disruptive, more far out innovation. Um, and then once we have those opportunity areas, what we then do is we try and help them prototype and develop solutions and meet with companies that can help them get there. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really interesting work, as you say, it's, it's, but it's quite, it's quite difficult because every, every time you're doing a project, it's, it's brand new and you got to, you got to rethink how to do things, but um, it, it's definitely keeps us busy. Excellent. It's a, it's a very innovative and a, and a new space that I think many people may not have heard of before. What, what kind of businesses are, are working with you in this kind of, uh, environment? Are they looking to try and plan for the future? Are they looking for disruptions that are already upon them? Or are they applying this to, to their own workplace? Or yeah, how, how are many of the companies kind of uh, using this kind of thought processing to, to develop? Yeah, it's usually companies that are looking for the next big thing, um, not the small thing, the kind of incremental innovation but the next big opportunity that's generally being facilitated by um, these really cool emerging technologies. Um, So we're trying to give them kind of a forward-thinking appreciation of what they could do, what the life of their customer could be like in, you know, five years' time and what the role of their brands and their products could be in that future. Um, So it's quite grounded in... Um, specifics for what they need to work on today. So which technologies do they need to understand? Which competencies do they need to develop in-house? Which potential partners or startups or companies out there that are pushing the boundaries on the edge do they need to get familiar with? And so we do, we do all of that for them. And it, because every large organization is interested in or should be is trying to protect their future, um, you know, we've worked across many, many different industries. Um, we just happen to find ourselves in a bit of a niche now looking at technologies related to um, people's emotions and people's moods, which obviously mm-hmm. has very important implications for events. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and there's, there's kind of a renaissance of, and a kind of Cambrian explosion of um, – technologies related to to mood and emotion um, that's happening people don't realize it's a really fast growing space um, and so we, we're, we're kind of in this niche for three three different clients 
really helping them um, understand the space and and see what their competitive advantages could be in, in the space. Yeah, and that that's a pretty. It is a pretty interesting space at the moment. There's a lot going on, and technology really is is just becoming this amazing enabling tool. Which I think people are really trying to navigate. How do we best use this at the moment? Because it's so moving so fast and seems somewhat disconnected, but you know, so ubiquitous in our lives. What I mean, tell us a bit more about that emotional AI and the emotional side of of things that you're talking about there and how, how that's affecting people. Cause I think a lot of people probably go around their daily lives and, and businesses as well. And maybe aren't even thinking about how this, this um, the emotional side of them is being affected by the technology. And even again, how the technology can help them identify their own emotion. I mean, there's a pretty broad playing field to talk about here, but I mean, what, what, what maybe is the, the basic understanding for people out there listening what emotional AI is? Yeah, um, that's a great question, uh, Mark. Like what, when we talk about emotion AI and, and digital mood, um, what, is, what does that mean? So essentially the, it's the ability to understand how people are feeling, so what their moods are, what their emotions are um, in real time, um, and then to create interventions that um, enhance their mood or adjust their mood in real time as well. And so it sounds pretty sci-fi-like and kind of far-fetched, but the reality is um, it's actually not that difficult to do given the, as you said, Mark, the proliferation of these technologies. So, for example, lots of people are wearing Fitbits today, um, you know, kind of devices that are measuring their heart rate. Um, and we know through um, through some really great scientific research that you can tell how somebody's feeling um, based on their heart rate, and in particular, heart rate variability. Um, so that's the amount of variation between each heartbeat. Yeah. Um, and, and that is a really great predictor of someone's mood. Um, and um, so just from a simple like Fitbit, um, that's collecting data or a Garmin, um, there are amazing companies out there that are actually able to take that information and then um, overlay someone's mood and emotion. Um, so, so right away, um, you're, you're now able to, to tell how anyone's feeling at any point in time. Now, as you start to overlay experiences that can be quantified, whether it's, let's say, you're um, interacting with, device, with different apps on your phone, um, you're, you're creating a digital record, and therefore, that data can be overlaid and correlated with um, your your digital um, mood, your digital emotion, as measured by your, let's say, your Fitbit. Um, so now you're getting to very interesting territory where you're able to understand what people are feeling, and then you understand why they're feeling that way or what they're doing that's um, causing that. So two very big issues arise when we talk about this. The first thing is, wow, is it really possible? Is it really feasible to do? And yes, I've answered that. So that begs the question, okay, well, what are the ethical and responsible ways of using this technology? Yeah. Um, and that is a very important question that, um, you know, I'm working with the um, World Economic Forum on, on some of the human rights issues that this is going to raise. Um, but, but it can be a tremendously powerful 
force for good in people's lives. Um, so if you, because mostly we're, we're unconscious creatures, um, you know, we kind of operate out of habit and instinct and, you know, very few of us are, you know, consciously aware of how we're feeling all the time. But if there was a way to understand, you know, experiences or um, activities or behavior that make you feel good, and, and conversely, experiences of behavior that, that make you feel bad, then, you know, theoretically, you could adjust your lifestyle to do, to do more of the former and less of the latter. Um, so, so it's like any, any new space, there's a lot of upside, but there's also some very scary, I think, ethical, ethical issues as well. Yeah, how are, you, how are you seeing that out there at the moment? Um, you know, you're talking about, you're talk, talking with the World Economic Forum the yeah. framework that exists out there at the moment to manage, I guess, the, the human rights of this kind of a space, what, st- what stage is that at? Because I, when I think about yeah. how it might apply to the work we do and the experience design agency day-to-day with marketers, they're, they're very conscious of data privacy and some of the big data breaches that have happened in the past with with, with com- big, big companies, tech companies, they're very aware of it these days and they're, they're trying to do the right thing in that space. So how, how do you think, how, how's that framework developing in a broader sense, which in my mind is a, a bit of an umbrella above and beyond all of these corporations at this point. There's a there's sort of a global human rights issue there that needs to be put in place before it can filter down into the world. Yeah, you know, um, some days I'm, I'm kind of optimistic about it, um, but some days, some days I'm, I'm pessimistic about it. Um, I think the reality is is that, you know, the the big tech companies are have tremendous power. Um, you know, they're in some ways trying to trying to do the right thing, but in other ways they aren't. Um, and you know, we've already seen some quite negative consequences. Um, particularly around social media and, and manipulation and algorithms um, that have caused serious problems. Um, and, I th- it, you know, it's, depending on the day, some days I feel like, you know, this is a disaster and just people don't realize and much more needs to be done. And then there are other days where I feel maybe a little bit more hope, a little bit more positive about it. Um, but the reality is, is that, um, you know, this is a very important issue and, and it's still in its kind of infancy. And a lot of work that needs to be done to bring people's attention to the power of, of this, this world that we're building in these technologies. Um, and also to give people the, the understanding of, of what their rights are and what the trade-off is for them buying into these new platforms. So, mm. for example, if we bring it back to, to mood and emotion, you know, there is, as I was um, explaining, there's a lot of benefit that you can get from these technologies. And, and I think if, if consumers or customers who are using these tools are, um, are or given ownership of their own data and, and control over how their data is used um, and... and um, and you know, treated with with um, with um, only the best intentions for their goodwill, then I think um, you know it could really create a very wonderful effect on our society. However, the flip side of that, you know, will happen. You know, we're not naive enough to think that 
this techno these technologies are only going to be used for good. You know, there are going to be instances where they're going to be used to manipulate people. And um, this is something that we're going to have to bring attention to and we're going to um, regulators involved and we're going to have to get governments involved and um, and we're going to have to create um, a policy around um, the responsible use of these technologies. But it, it's, it's you know, it's a very nascent field. You know, it's just starting. Um, yeah. And, uh, and uh, I'm very passionate about it um, because I'm not a kind of, you know, Luddite where I'm sticking my head in the sand saying no technology. I, I genuinely believe that technology can really bring out the best of our species um, and, and kind of mitigate the worst of what we, what we are as human beings. But, but that doesn't mean that, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of traps and landmines along the way that we have to raise people's attention to. So, you know, like any new field, it's, it's going to be a challenge, but it's, it's an exciting one. Too. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think it's great to have a, uh, an optimistic viewpoint really in that because Definitely. I think, you know, change, innovation, it's never going to stop. It's part of the human psyche. So it's about trying to navigate it in, in the best way possible. And, you know, it makes me think back to the That's past right. too. You know, if you think about technological innovation in the past, um, things like the radio then the tele- and, and the telephone and then the internet and computers, we've all had to, everyone's had to navigate these things uh, and come up with regulation and work out how to use them in, in, in positive ways. And the negative ways, as you're saying, are still going to come through in some instances. Um, yeah. I guess the difference perhaps now is maybe the pace of change and the power of computing, which has become yes. so huge. Yes. And um, Yeah, that's, that's the issue. It's is just how fast it's happening and how, you know, how much bigger the effects are. Yes. Because there's so much power and you know, in the big tech companies and the data and, and owning that data is so powerful. Mm. Um, and, and, and it's not, um, it's, you know, the, these, they're, they're barriers to entry, right? So it's not like an evenly distributed and, and people can catch up. It's, um, you know, once you, once you have all that data and you're mining it and then you, it, there's a, you know, there's a kind of virtuous circle for that company and they just get more powerful. So, yeah, so you're right, um, but it is there is analogies to like to the past with, with with new technologies that are invented, and you know we we they come into society, we see the impact, and we regulate. Um, but I think with these particular ones, we have to really be on our on our toes because because of those you know the speed and and the power of them. Um, but I was just at a conference a few weeks ago called Transhuman. Um, Transformational Technology Conference, okay. that was it. And um, these are, um, this is a conference dedicated to using technology in a way that uplifts our species and benefits society. And, um, you know, it's really cool. Inspiring. There's lots of companies that, that are there that are um, helping people know themselves better, helping you get her into deeper meditations, helping you um, have digital assistance that make your life easier, more pleasant, helping you connect with people in a more meaningful way. And I think that is what's exciting about Sense and what Sense does is, is, is events, it's bringing people together and in these collective shared experiences, um, that we truly have um, profound transformational opportunities when we connect with other people and when we socialize and when we um, energize each other. Yeah. And, 
And I think there's great promise for these technologies to maximize the likelihood of, of those kind of beautiful kind of human connection moments um, that happen. Because the last thing we want is people, which is sadly happening to some extent, is people kind of spending a lot more time alone and away from other people and, you know, glued to their digital device or, or in their own world without socializing, connecting and and making these, these real human connections. So I think technology can actually ironically um, help both, you know, hurt in that way, but also help by enhancing social experiences. And I'll give you an example. You know, let's say we're in an event and um, we have some people have opted in, obviously, and they consent to have their emotion and their moods measured anonymously and ag- on aggregate. Yes. You know, you know no, it's in, but, but imagine if you can have kind of a control panel where you know when when people are feeling good, when groups of people are connecting and feeling good, um, and based upon that information, that data, you know what obviously provoked or imp- created that that feeling, and then use that to to either create more of that dynamically or for next time. Um, and I think you know that kind of tech is is available could probably be used today, um, and I think that could be incredibly powerful too. Um, and that, so, that really is that would be a, it's an absolute game changer for our kind of an industry because I think what we do, as yeah. you say, is we get people together. And, so, and something as a company, we always say, you know, for us, we're, you know, our, our line, I guess, is we mine the frontiers of, of creativity and technology to create ex- yeah. experiences yeah. that enrich people's lives. So for us, we're, we're, you know, we're trying to get people together and create those meaningful conversations but we want it to have to be an enriching experience we're trying to get brands to talk to people in a way that actually provides them with some benefit so i think people are a lot more aware of marketing aware of brands these days and they're looking for something to justify you know that moment in their lives where they should actually listen to that brand what you know why should i listen to you you're one of the 10 billion bits of information banging against my head every day uh you know what's what's going to make me uh take notice and and what you're saying there with the ability to actually bring that into the experience space or into an event uh you know what do you have a good example perhaps that people might be interested to hear about about a way that that can be done today rather than a lot of the the discussion we've had is about things that can happen in the future but you know, marketers, I think, out there are pretty interested to know what can I do today that makes this stuff valuable. Well, let me give you let me give you an example, not in events, but in physical locations where I think it's really exciting. Sure. So, so, and, and obviously there are analogies here for for what you do, but um, for for what sensors in the event space. But you know, there are a lot of people in retirement homes that are isolated and lonely, and it may be that. Um, those emotions are, are known by the carers. It might be that it's not known. But in these controlled environments, there are technologies that you can deploy to measure people's emotions and feelings in real time. And so um, you can foresee um, instances where there might be somebody, let's call them, you know, the kind of emotion um, guardian or the kind of um, emotional health guardian of of their of people who are who are in these um, retirement homes, mm. and by using by using um, sensors, uh, computer vision, and algorithms, um, now companies can do this incredibly accurately. Um, 
you might be able to know when somebody's lonely or feeling isolated or or, or, or sad, um, or or um, you know, when pe- some people when they're sad they might withdraw, they might not communicate, and people might not notice. Um, but this is something that that can be done today. I mean, it's done more in the physical health, um, but you know, physical health and emotional health are related anyway. Um, and this is this is something that um, I've been trying to trying to spread and share with with some of the um, uh, retirement home communities that we've spoken to is to try and implement and prototype this type of tech because yeah. it does exist it works um, but but that same analogy I think applies to events right you have a controlled location um, physical location and you can you can do the same thing obviously for a different purpose um, and I really like this and then so that's today and then going forward um, you could envision an AI. So it's basically, let's call it an emotion bot right. or emotion health bot. And, and this bot could be in real time and continuously monitoring and, and determining the kind of, let's say, level of happiness that people are feeling or level of engagement that people are feeling. Um, and then that bot or that algorithm to to either itself curate new experiences or to create alerts or interventions or notifications for the user, but also for somebody who's, you well, maybe your company who can, you know, who can intervene yeah. um, as well. So, so this isn't far-fetched. This is not 20 years out. This is, you know, four, four or five years out. You can see the health, the, I mean, the health side of it is a huge one in my mind. I mean, the monitoring of, of uh, people's, physical condition, but a mental condition, which, yeah. you know, there is a brain body connection, which, you know, has been exactly. proven scientifically to, to have effects on people's health, you know, just the placebo effect, yeah. one of the most commonly known things in clinical trials, pe- trials, people actually have yeah. a reaction to thinking they should be doing their body should be doing something, which is quite, quite That's amazing. Right. That's right. It's incredible. And, and um, I'll give you some examples of some other technologies that can do that. There's a, there's a great company in Israel called Beyond Verbal, right? And they um, they are able to measure. They're able to turn someone's emotion and moods based upon um, their voice, but they're not doing like a semantic text analysis. So literally, like taking out the, the words and analyzing the words. They're they're looking at the tone that people are using and the way they're talking, the way they're speaking. So the physical act of speaking rather than the words themselves. Right. And they've got incredibly high correlations with determining people's moods and emotion. So, you know, in, in events, you could imagine little microphones, you know, implanted throughout events, you know, picking up conversations and you could do a heat map of, you know, mood and emotion and see how people are feeling just using this. There's still But I think there's ways to deal with that in our sport anyway. Um, so this yeah, is sort of and that's interesting. That. It's, a, it's, a, it's another layer that yeah. uh, we've never yeah. been able to venture into before. It's been a very uh, analog way of measuring what's in a room, you yes. know, seeing people's faces, uh, qualitative yeah. kind of research or yeah. seeing how many uh, items of a certain product were given out or how many people logged in to give you their email to receive something or, exactly. uh, you know, you're not 
able to, to sort of, re- yeah, you're using, you're reading the room as we always do as professionals reading the room and trying to get a feel for what's going on. But this is yeah. something measurable and which is, I think marketers are massive on measurement. Obviously they need to yeah. be able to justify their spending and what they're doing. And mm. there's always this long held um, battle between brand, brand marketing and short-term marketing and, and uh, you know, the brand marketing obviously isn't as measurable, but I think emotion and the, the way in which people are reacting to your brand does have flow down effects, which eventually gets to the bottom line um, for companies. So being able to show some, some measurability yeah. in that first phase uh, is a pretty exciting idea, not just for us in, in our business and, and you, but also to, to, to marketers who can, who can justify the spend to a certain extent in that area. 100% exactly. You might not see a short-term sales effect, but you've increased somebody's engagement and overall affect related to your, your brand, you know, due to a sponsorship or an event, and, and that pays dividends over time. Yeah, sure. yeah. And look, it's probably worth yeah. mentioning at this point, Ari, you know, Sci Futures and, and Sense have formed a partnership in Asia-Pacific to, to help clients deliver um, on these kinds of ideas. Um, some of the work that you're doing in helping brands um, envisage their future, um, there's certain instances where these brands need to then bring that to life. So, I mean, what's, is there any interesting examples of, of, um, of work that you've done where companies have perhaps needed to, to bring that future to life, be it, be it for, you know, their stakeholders or their staff or, or whoever it might have been mm. to, um, to literally experience that, have a physical uh, incarnation of that um, thought processes that you go through with Side Futures with them? Yeah, definitely. A lot of the work that we do is for like internal selling, like, you know, very expensive internal sales pitches. <laughs> Not very expensive, but they can be. Highly, highly but, thought, um, thought through. Yeah. What's that? I was going to say highly thought through. Yeah, yeah, no, but, but um, you know, relatively expensive, meaning to like, you know, a PowerPoint presentation yeah. as opposed to creating like a physical experience. Yes. We, our philosophy is that um, the degree to which you immerse people into the future is the degree to which their behavior will change and they'll be able to act on that potential future. And the best way of pulling people into the future is through storytelling. And you can do it with, with, with video and you can do it with great, stories but there's nothing like literally building you know a room of the future or a vignette of the future and getting people to act and behave as if they're a character in living in the future and now it becomes very personal becomes very emotional you're very tangible um, and we've done this for a number of brands um, internal, um, one of them was visa um, you know, working with a great company like yours, we create a physical space that is an articulation of their strategy, of their future strategy, where these technologies are not niche, they've become mainstream. And people are using them every day, just like, you, you, you know, if you like sci-fi, you see it in like a great sci-fi movie, it just becomes like, you know, yeah. normal. And, um, and that's, that's a really powerful, transformative device. Um, it's something we love doing and um, you know, there are some forward-thinking clients that do invest the money to do that, and it pays off in spades. I wish there were more of them, <laughs> but 
but um, we're, we're trying to find them. Well, you know what? The, the companies that, that are doing and are thinking about it, you know, they're the, they're the ones that you want to work with because they're the ones that are open to the process. You know, I, I imagine if you're having to put too much effort into trying to uh, convince companies that this is something they should be taking seriously, then they're probably not the kind of company that, that is going to end up transforming. And, and look, eventually they probably will end up out of business. Yeah, exactly. I think so. Or they'll have to buy, you know, a startup at a premium or another company at a premium or, or, or yeah, a guy go to business. But um, it's, it's exciting. It's good. You know, like I said, at the beginning of our podcast, it's, um, it's uh, definitely interesting work. It's difficult work, but it's, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, when we get it right, it's like so transformative. It really is exciting to see these big companies shift. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, we're super excited to be aligned with you guys um, and the amazing work that you do um, for your clients. Um, yeah, and we'd love to um, find, you know, projects to collaborate on with clients who want to explore this area. Excellent. Well, look, Ari, thanks so much for dialing in today. I know you've got a long day ahead of you there in L.A., Hopefully, uh, it's a good one. And um, look, thanks for joining us on Behind the Experience. And for all of you tuning in, make sure you check out SciFutures. They're at uh, scifutures.com. We'll attach the links to our websites and the social media in the show notes. And um, look, great having a chat, Ari, and really appreciate the time. And I hope to have you on again at some stage. Oh, for sure. Um, I really appreciate it too, Mark. Thanks so much for having me, man. Behind the Experience is proudly brought to you by Sense Group, an independent experience design agency that mined the frontiers of creativity and technology to curate emotionally charged experiences that connect brands with audiences in meaningful, lasting ways. To get in touch, check out the links in the show notes.